Jesus, thank you so much for this time together as we um, consider your word and um, draw close to you in this moment. Jesus, would you change our hearts? Would you encourage us? And would you um, give us hope as we look into next phases and stages here at Spark and in our lives um, and mostly in your kingdom, Jesus? We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Uh, today's message is entitled, On the Edge of the Inside. Uh, we are looking forward to who Spark has been and also um, who Spark wants to continue to be. And so as we look at those different things, we're going to continue to grab those core values. And the reason why we grab those core values and we're core values driven is because we see these five values lived out in the life and the person and the teachings of Jesus. And we want to reflect those values into our community. Now we fail at this all the time. We're aiming towards something that is beautiful and good that we are striving towards. We're not saying that we've got love down and we don't need to worry about that anymore. If you go to Spark, you can just check love. Um, Our like reputation of God, we've taken care of that here. So um, as we though look at these core values, I don't know if anyone's had this experience and if you haven't, then uh, pay no attention to this next little segment. But one of the experience I had when we started Spark, I've been a pastor for over two decades and I've been part of Presbyterian and Lutheran and non-denominational churches. And And um, in those settings, um, even as I first decided to um, go into professional ministry, I was 13, I wanted to be a pastor, and all those types of places, I found myself very quickly through a lot of the things that sort of um, excited me about the person of Jesus and caused my heart to beat for the kingdom, I found myself um, at odds with some other followers of Jesus where I thought we would like totally jive. Um, so I know I'm naive, but I didn't know that some people didn't think women could preach and teach. That just never occurred to me. I was 13. Um, I had been told I could be the president of the United States. So, and I could be an astronaut. So thinking about pastoring like 150 people in a small family church didn't seem out of reach. Um, it, it seemed like I might be poor, but it didn't seem like I wouldn't be able to do it because of some um, innate deficiency. So I decided then and there that I was going to do that, but that immediately pushed me a little bit on the edge of the inside. Um, not of my home church, but of the other Christian communities that I was part of. And in fact, for some individuals, um, me being a female pastor immediately actually puts me on the outside. They're like, oh, and she's gone, right? Farewell, Danielle Parrish. So um, no, no farewell Rob Bell jokes from John Piper Fusion. Okay. Um, so, so I was there a long time ago, you know, when I, when I was 13. Now, I also remember um, getting very excited at a, at a church and, and working and saying, wow, you know, this, this HIV AIDS epidemic, this was in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, is ravaging entire countries, and we can do something about this. So I know, even though I was in charge of the students, the kids' ministries, Kids get that other kids need blankets. So let's figure out a way to just extend child to child, you know, compassionate heart to compassionate heart, a way to raise funds. And, and World Vision was working on this and so many others and, um, and Bono with you too, raising the awareness and, and, and even, you know, our uh, president, George W. Bush, doing incredible work on this. So I thought, let's do this. And so I was talking to other pastors on staff. I was like, oh, let's, let's talk about this. And they said, okay, it sounds really great. I mean, you're going to be saving lives and all, but can you talk about it without talk, saying the word AIDS? And I was like, why not? Why would you? And so and then I was on the edge of the inside, right? Immediately kind of going. And then I would have those other conversations of, hey, Danielle, I can tell you're really excited about Jesus. Could you just shh? 
like, calm down just a little bit because it's, it's a little uncomfortable for us. In the meetings, you might get further if you'll just calm down. Now, by that point in my life, I had had so much practice hearing the calm down message that I was able to tell this person gently and lovingly um, to stop that and that that wasn't going to help me do the big thing that Jesus was asking us to do. So when we started Spark, we immediately got some of that pushback, right? So I would hear first things like, wow, you're going to meet in a synagogue? How so cool. You're going to have that entire synagogue converted to the way of Jesus within one year, and it's going to be amazing. It'll be amazing. I was like, shh, what is that? That is not it. That's not what we're doing. That is the least loving Jesus thing we could do. Like, we're, we're allowed to meet in this space because we're going to honor and respect one another, and I, I, we can't, this is not what we are. And so immediately at that point, we're like, oh, well, they're not very interested about converting the Jews, so they must not be an evangelical church. So all of those things, we, we started finding that, um, that quickly even one of our board members was told, oh, you have a female pastor, isn't that sort of a red flag? She was like, no, it's a green flag. That's like, a, green means go, we're going to go. But that, so are there people here, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just think it, where maybe when you started to tell somebody, um, a theological position or wrestling you were having or a church you wanted to attend or the fact that you attended maybe a multi-faith event with somebody else or you tried to do some listening that people started to get deeply concerned. Maybe some of you have parents that are deeply concerned that you come here to this church. Or maybe they're just like, well, thank God they're still going to a church. At least the word church is in the title because I didn't even know if they were going to make it anymore. And I imagine that in many places, many of us here in this room often find ourselves within the Christian Christian community and within the Christian community at large of American um, Christianity evangelicalism, where we are wrestling so much with being on the edge of the inside. And sometimes we might not even feel like insiders anymore. Sometimes we feel like outsiders. And I'll have friends of mine say, you know what, um, what the word Christian is starting to mean and how it's starting to get defined in the culture here or what the word evangelical is starting to mean, I just have to walk away from those entirely. We have to call ourselves something totally different. We can call ourselves followers of the way or something. I can't say I'm a Christian because, or have you found yourself trying to tell, well, I'm a Christian, but not that kind right? Like not, not that any one of those things that we start to do where we try to explain to people I'm in, but I'm sort of out. I'm, I'm out, but I'm sort of in. We're trying to wrestle with all of those things. Those are difficult, hard conversations. And in the midst of all of that, um, I want to encourage us. I actually think every organization and every movement has these types of conversations. Um, insiders are those who operate from within the core, They're often unaware or insulated from the changes of the outside. They're right in the center of everything. And organizations have this. Businesses have this. um, Political parties and dialogues have this. Countries have this in terms of their nationality. And and Christianity has this. We have people that are are deep right in the center. Um, You would say um, that... It's like sort of the political operative that whenever anyone thinks of a, let's say, Democrat or Republican, they immediately think of that person, right? The person that's, that's operating most, that holds most of those core characteristics, because you can think all, all of that in your head. I don't have to name those people. Um, also, every organization or group has outsiders, right? These are people that stand at the outside and throw missiles, right? They're, they're the ones that can stand out there and go, I, I am not a person of faith. I mean, those people are just crazy. I mean, atheists have never charged, you know, they've never caused a war in the world. You've never found an atheist, right? So they can stand out here and go, ridiculous, people of faith, you know, they don't believe in science. And they can shout these missiles, right? All of those types of things, right? 
Anyone? Yeah. Those are the outsiders. It's how people speak about the other political party, right? The people on the outside. Like, those are those people, and they're nuts, and we can just sort of talk about this. So you've got insiders, completely insular at the core, and they've got outsiders on the outside that can lob, lob those missiles. And they're untouched by any shame or concern or internal loyalties. And honestly, if you're on the inside, you don't really care so much what those outsiders think anyway because they're outsiders. And if you're the outsiders, you don't care what those insiders think anyway because, you know, that's why we're not with them. We're in a different group. But I believe that as followers of Jesus, and if we look at the person of Jesus and Jesus' ministry, and also even if we look at this church, and, and if we look at our own individual lives as disciples of Jesus, that we really do want to strive to be on the edge of the inside. That these are people who, from within the organization, were not subsumed by the group think, were able to criticize it and love it all at the same time. We work at the boundaries and the bridges and the entranceways. Now, this is deeply important because I hear people all the time say things like, wow, that person is so critical of the church or of that party. But if you're within the inside, the reason why the criticism comes is because you deeply love the church. I deeply love the church, and it's why I'm so critical of it. Because I know what we as people of God are called to be. I have a, a book that tells me a lot about this. I don't know if you read it. It's called the Bible. So I can look things up and go, ah, we are supposed to care about things of deep justice work. The other day I told Kevin, I said, it's driving me crazy that people get so upset. They hear this like keyword out there of social justice. I have a friend who's an amazing leader and pastor in her church. And she put the word social justice up on the bulletin board in their hallway of the entranceway of the church and was putting all the things that the church was doing. And people got so upset. How dare you put the word social justice up there? Social justice is a tagline. Now you're going to say that we have a social gospel and not a real gospel. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like she's just like, I'm just talking about, you know, and I, and I just felt like at that moment, no, 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 we, if that's the problem, let's just change the name. It's gospel justice. It's good news, and it belongs to Christians. It's, it belongs to the kingdom of God. It belongs to the people that follow Jesus and are trying to bring rescue into this world, more of his kingdom on earth. When we deeply love the church, we can say to that brother and sister, I'm sorry, don't get upset by the term, but the values have to stay. The people on the edge of the inside, according to Franciscan father and priest Richard Rohr, people on the edge of the inside are free from its central seductions, but also free to hear its core message in very new and creative ways. It means that we aren't leaving the inside, but we're going to be right here on the edge because we want to hear those true messages of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus that's going to constantly be pushing us, constantly be reaching out to those marginalized. And this is what we see Jesus doing all of the time. And I just want to stop for a second and say so much of Christian theology um, for near 2,000 years has been Jesus was on the outside. And he looked into that system, that Jewish first century system, he said, bad, bad, right? And he's had this new way. No, no, no. That's not how it would have worked. It could not work that way. Jesus was inside, within, a fully observant, Torah-observant, kosher-keeping Jew who from the inside could stand at the edge of the inside and reach towards the marginalized, but still reach the hand to the Pharisee, which he is most like in theology and in practice. Jesus himself. 
This is who our Messiah is. And so let's talk a little bit just briefly about the role of those who are on the edge of the inside. If I want to suggest as, as one of your co-founding pastors that Spark should continue to reach into the next five years, just as we have these last five, and strive to be on the edge of the inside, then what's our role? How do we do this? Well, the prophets first were people who were always on the edge of the inside. They are people who speak truth to power. They have the ability to confront and convict, rebuke and reject the king or the powers or the pastors or the priests since the beginning of the monarchy. The prophet reminds the king that his sovereignty is not unlimited but subject to God's justice. And the prophet reminds the people who they are called and who they are called to love. So a prophetic role, a lot of times, don't get it twisted in our head when it says many have been prophets, many are called to be teachers. This is not about uh, foreseeing a future. A prophetic voice is a voice that speaks truth to power and continues to call the people of Israel back to the ethics of who God has asked them to be. So if we're going to be on the edge of the inside, then we have to embrace a prophetic voice. And a prophetic voice, and, and maybe you can think of people in our history and in our community, Martin Luther King Jr., that's a prophet. I would add to that, I'm not trying to equate them anywhere, but even people today that still speak truth to power or try to make differences for individuals. You can pick how somebody from the edge of the inside starts to speak to that and how people in the church have done it. Maybe it's Pope Francis, who from within the Catholic Church is bringing significant reform because he's inside, but he's on the edge of the inside. It's why he picked the name of, of Francis after St. Francis of Assisi. If we are on the edge of the inside, we will relentlessly remind the church of the teachings of Jesus. Relentlessly. Without failing, without exhaustion. I know it sounds crazy, but we're going to constantly be saying to the church, and because we're here in America, I'm going to say to the American church, hey, that is not the teaching of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus demands that we love our neighbor, demands that we love our enemy, demands that we love our stra- the stranger, demands that we love the foreigner, and we don't get to decide not to do that and call ourselves Christians. So we will relentlessly remind the church of the teachings of Jesus, and we'll do it with kindness and love and grace, but we're not going to stop because this is who we are following and who we are called to be. Richard Rohr says that a person or church on the inside has learned the rules well enough to know how to break the rules properly, which is to not really break them at all, but instead to find their true purpose, not to abolish the law to complete it. So we're going to do this not because we're trying to break a system or just lob grenades of Twitter remarks back to forth one another or whatever lays Facebook or however your Thanksgiving table might go, right? Instead, this is going to be done with the intention of drawing us all back to the core message of Jesus. Nothing else but that. And we have a unique ability to do it if we're on the edge of the inside. If we're on the edge of the inside, we're going to love those on the outside and the inside. Now, this is the part that's very difficult for many of us because we can start to go, well, I'm on the edge of the inside, right? Like, I mean, I, my truth is better than their truth. And I look at those ridiculous hypocrites back in the center over there just acting like nuts. I mean, if they could just raise their head out of their book for two seconds and start to pay attention to the real things that are going on this way, and we'll start to rant. And then whether it's our personal rant or a Facebook rant or a Twitter rant or whatever rant you've decided on, you know, loved one or whatever, we will start to do the very thing 
that we're raging against because we're upset that they've put us on the outside. But we're going to love those on the outside and the inside. That's what you do if you're on the edge of the inside. Because Jesus' command on this is very clear. As a father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. People who are on the edge of the side, and this is why Spark's core value is love, because we are going to continue to persist in loving those we disagree with. And the people we disagree with most stringently are those who are within our own tribe. Right? How dare you call yourself a Christian? And I only know that that's what you're thinking because that's what I'm thinking. Sometimes we're right, by the way. That person, I'm just joking. Okay, so... um, As we're on the edge of the side, we hold open the door. We hold the door open for people who are on the outside to come right on in and for people who are on the inside to reach out and continue to have that. Uh, Rabbi Ari, who's my dear friend and and the founding rabbi of this synagogue, he's now retired. When when I spoke at his retirement celebration, I, I said the thing that Ari does better than anyone else I've ever met is he always finds a way to push the door open. If somebody's just standing there, just kind of like looking on in like this, he finds a way to push it open and invite them in. And I want to be that type of church where we find ways to open the door. We hold the door open for people coming. A doorkeeper, according to Father Richard Rohr, is someone who must love both the inside and the outside of his or her group. And they know how to move between those two loves. And this reminds me so much of Jesus' life and ministry and even of his own teaching. I am the door, he says. I'm the door for the sheep, right? A way to go in and out. If we are on the edge of the inside, we seek transformation over belonging. And this is deeply difficult for me because I like to belong. I like it when people like me. A few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, the uh, Nashville statement came out, and so many of us were so hurt and disturbed by that. And if you don't know what it is, I can go look it up and whatever. And it seems like, you know, then this week there'll be another statement of who's, who aligns already, who's in with us, who's out with us, and all those things. And I was talking to Ari, and I was saying, hey, you know, I just, oh, did you hear? And it's in the news, and it's so uncomfortable, and I'm upset that people, and, and we're having this thing. He goes, Danielle, I said, well, they voted me off the island. I mean, Ari, they've just voted Spark Church, like, right off the island. What's with it? And he goes, They didn't want you on the island anyway. And I was like, oh. And then I was thinking, oh, you're right. None of those people think women can be in leadership. (laughs) I start going, listen, I'm like, oh, you're right. And and they looked at me and said, Danielle, ISIS doesn't like you either. (laughs) I was like, oh, you're right. And I'm kind of okay with that. So I need to be okay with the fact that I want to seek transformation over belonging. That I want to be transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. That I don't want to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I signed up for this Jesus thing because I was promised to be a new creation. I'm presuming that means some transformation is going to happen. So I have agreed already in just being a follower of Jesus that sometimes I won't belong. In fact, many times I won't belong. And I think that's painful for many of us, but there's something exciting in that too because yes, there will be doors that close, but there will also be other doors that open that you couldn't have walked through any other way. Now, in all of that, when again those things happen and people want to say, oh, see, look at that crazy wild church over there, um, I wanted to say that the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. 
So if you see that thing that you don't like in the church and in the American church at large, you don't have to criticize it. Just do better. Just lean into the five core values of, that we're doing here at Spark. Sit down and read your gospel. Lean in. Live differently. That's all we have to do. We just get to lift Jesus higher. We just lift Jesus' love higher. Oppositional energy only creates more of the same. And, and I just want to say, it's really hard to do this thing because it's easier just to be on the other side throwing the rocks back in. This is not the role of the, of the prophetic role of the church or the person on the edge of the inside. Leadership consultant and guru Seth Godin says this, that the edge is a great place to be. Inside the box is too dark and outside the box there's no leverage, but on the edge of the box you can get things done. Right? That, that every time we look back into our church history or the history of, of our people, we're always looking at those transformational times, which were when people were on the edge of the inside. I mean, for Pete's sake, the Israelites are a people who are on the edge of the inside. But there are some downsides to being on the edge of the inside. You are an easy target. This says, a uh, bummer of a birthmark, Hal, right? Um, <laughs> If, if God has made you a person whose heart beats for the marginalized, then you have been born with that target. Because if you stand for those who are marginalized and oppressed, for those who are hurting, then you will be targeted too. When Ari and I led our Jewish Christian tour for members of Eitz Chaim and members of Spark this last spring, um, I said, you know, at the end of every tour, I, I give our tour participants a gift. And I'd given them mezuzahs, which are, um, you can see here in the synagogue, they keep the commands of God right there on the doorpost. And I said, Ari, I have these and we can give them to the people if you think it's okay. And we're talking about, I guess, yeah, but you should just probably tell the Christians they might not want to put it on their door. And I was like, oh, sure, tell me why. And he said, well, because somebody might think they're Jewish and then persecute them. And I looked at him and said, Ari, we're standing with you. We stand with you. If they're coming for you, they're coming for me. Now, that's easy to say on this side as the white, blonde-haired, you know, Christian. But I deeply mean that. And I mean that here when, when the synagogue in Charlottesville was targeted, I called, Spark called the synagogue here this week and said, is there anything we can do to help your community feel safe coming to worship on a weekend? Because we're with you. Now, if you and I do that and we show up here and we make sure that under threat, like they were doing in Charlottesville, where people with guns are standing there threatening presence as people are going in and out of the synagogue, threatening to burn down the synagogue, in Charlottesville, like, you know, a month ago, then you and I are also the target. That's a good place to be. You don't want to be anywhere else. It's tough. It's not easy. I've only, after 25 years of, of like, multiple staff meetings where I'll be, like, in a room, not here, but at other churches I know, where there'd be, like, 12 other pastors in that room, and I can see that everybody's going, oh, dear, we probably shouldn't do this thing, and this is going to be hurt. And then I watch all the pastors look at me, like, going, like, because I have this thing on my chest. So they're like, hey, you know, you're the girl that always says that thing. Go ahead, tell them. And I'm like, seriously, can you not step up? Do I always have to be the one to take all the hits? And then just this summer, I realized I'm supposed to do that. 
This is what God has asked us to do. We're supposed to be on the edge of the side. I don't need to be upset that they're not doing it. I get to do it. And I'm just starting to make, ask me next week. I might not feel the same way about it. Right now, I, I'm like, I'm okay with it. Uh, now, the other hard side, downside about being on the edge of the side, sometimes you just don't feel like you, don't, you just don't quite belong anywhere. You're not outside. You're not inside. You can't figure out where to go. You may be respected and befriended, but you're not loved as completely as people at the core. You enjoy neither the purity of the outsider nor that of the true believer, right? It's every lunchroom you've ever walked in your entire life. And you're like, oh, this is not a great feeling. But stand here and look around. You're not alone. We are not alone. We're all here together. There are more of us. Some of them secretly message me on Facebook. Like, I can't say it out loud, but thanks so much for standing up for issues of racial injustice. I'm like, okay, thank you. You you can say that out loud. But if they're not ready yet, I'm glad at least they took that step. They're in the right direction. We're moving, right? We, they don't have, I don't have to lob a rock back. I can extend the hand and we can bring everybody a little bit further along. Now, there's some good news in all of this. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, it's hard. It's hard to be on the edge. It's hard to be on the fringe of all this, but there's healing in the edges. As Jesus was walking down the road in a place called Capernaum, Everyone crowding against him, everyone touching him, he says, stop, someone touched me. Rabbi, everybody's touching you. He's crazy again, let's get him some food, right? No, no, power went out of me, I felt it. Now this woman comes forward, she'd had an issue of blood for 12 years, and she tells why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. What did she grab hold of? She touched the edge, the corner the fringe, the tzitzio of his garment. Why? Is it all she could get hold of? Maybe it's, it's the edge, the literal edge of Jesus's garment, like just enough where she can reach forward. But this was, she's not the only one who tried to do this. In Mark 6, they begged that they might even touch the edge of Jesus' cloak, and all who touch it were healed. Why this edge? Well, it reaches back to this beautiful passage in Numbers 15, where God commands God's people to make tzitzit, to make tassels on the corners of a round garment. And then they had a debate, where's the corner of a round thing? And they figured all that out. And so on the corners of that garment, so that every time you look at them, you will remember all of the commands of God, and you won't Go after these other gods. You'll remember the commands. So in Jesus's day, then these things, these tassels, the corner, the edge, the wing, all of these words in Hebrew, they became places where people would say, this is what the Messiah will be like in the days of Zechariah. Like this is what the Lord Almighty says in those days, 10 men from all languages and nations take firm hold of one Jew by the hem, the kanaf, the corner of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard that God is with you in Malachi 4.2. But you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, a messianic term, will rise with healing in its wings, the corners, the kanaf. So this woman, she reaches forward and she grabs the corner because she believes that Jesus is Messiah, that he is the one who's fulfilling all of this. You see, on the edge of the inside does not mean less obedience to God. 
The edge of the inside does not mean that you and I are discounting God's commands. In fact, quite the opposite. We're so deeply concerned with following the person of Jesus that we are willing to be transformed. We're willing to submit that our understanding is not perfect. We're willing to be humble in our interpretation. We're willing to reach. We're willing to transform and to change. And so this woman reaches and grabs this because she knows there's healing there. On the edge of the inside, there's healing. And isn't that true for so many of us in this room? So many of us in this room have been church refugees, for lack of a better term. We've thought, there's not one place that will let me in. There's not one place that will give voice to the heart that I have for the person of Jesus. There's not one place that I can find that will let me in in the state of being that I am. And so we maybe straggled in here, I've had on more than one occasion with different individuals come here the first Sunday and their first Sunday ever coming to Spark and they'll say, yeah, hey, I'm just, uh," and they kind of hang back, like, don't make me meet and greet. Don't take my, I don't, I don't want to give you my uh, email. No, I just, they're like, Jane Doe, right? That's all you get. So you you don't get any more information than that. And in that moment, they've kind of whispered in and said, "Uh, this is the last church that I'm trying before I leave church entirely. That's a lot of pressure on a pastor. Let's just take that off. But it's because we here in this place have found some healing that we can continue to extend to others who feel on the edge of the inside or maybe outside looking in or maybe inside and looking with hope towards that edge that's marked by abiding in love in Jesus. This is not easy to do. David Brooks, columnist in the New York Times, Um, in writing about Richard Rohr's discussion about prophetic voices on the edge of the inside, said this, when people are afraid or defensive, they've got no tolerance for that person at the edge of the inside. They want purity, rigid loyalty, and lockstep unity. But now more than ever, we need people, and I would say we need a church who has the courage to live on the edge of the inside, who love their parties and organizations so much that they can critique them as a brother, operate on them from the inside as a friend, and dauntlessly insist that they live up to their truest selves. This is what I want Spark to become, a place where we will constantly insist that the people who claim the name of Jesus live up to the name of Jesus, that the people who claim to be the church, the bride of Christ in this world, that we live up to the reputation of that church. So church, be strong and courageous because here together these last five years and in the next going, by the grace of God, we're going to strive to inspire people to live in the way of Jesus, grounded in these five values, and we can't wait. Please join us and reach out hands to those on the outside in. Come build this church with us. Amen.